It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, it's Manveen here. Today's episode is the final installment of our series, The Feud. It's hosted by my colleague at The Times, Andrew Billen. Last time on The Feud. One of the ways of getting rid of the Dean is to have them declared physically or mentally incapable. I do think he has classical signs of what people would probably call a narcissistic personality disorder. We felt like he inadvertently was in fact comparing his own, what he likes to call a kind of witch hunt against him, to the Holocaust. It was quite clear they were making a move. He doesn't behave in a manipulative way. When the University of Oxford says it is time to sort this out, you go with that. It was effectively all my legal fees back and a substantial sum by way of compensation. But of course, Christchurch admitting no liability, no responsibility and no apology. Stuff. Is your phone off? It's in, off and in there. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. I'm in the Oxford flat that Peter MacDonald calls his boat hole. My producer, Will, is sorting out the microphones. You can get the level as well from this. Yeah, exactly. right. yeah, 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 yeah. As you know, Peter is a professor at Christchurch. He's also a poet, and I wanted to hear something that he'd written. So this is a short poem which may reflect something. I'll just read it now. Upright women and men, as they would reckon themselves, and on firm ground, so the evil done is not evil, or else not done. It's all clever, civil and foul, answering to no one, assuming there is nobody around, and only the victim can be liable. There's a layer of dirt in the soul you can't see, though it can be seen. None of us goes at our own reckoning. We shall pay in full. We shall be paid in full. You're listening to The Feud. A podcast brought to you by subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Andrew Billen. This is the final episode of the series, Part 5, Atonement? 
So, I'm back at my old college, Christchurch. I'm in the meadows, the back of the college, looking down on the Thames. The Cheshire Cat in Alice in Wonderland said, most everyone's mad here. You remember Alice in Wonderland was written for a little girl sitting in these meadows. And I'm at the position now where I'm beginning to wonder if the Cheshire Cat wasn't right, whether everyone hasn't been mad over the last few years at Christchurch. So many different interpretations of what's gone on that it's like staring into a mirror of broken glass. Martin Percy has left Christchurch. He's no longer the dean. And in this final episode, I'll enter my old college and meet someone who so far has not wanted to talk to me on the podcast. Because this story isn't over. How could it be? I think one of the things I take from the whole of this four years plus, resistance would have been hopeless and I think impossible were we not supported by what I would term a beloved community. Who are they? Ordinary staff members, students, alumni. I'm speaking with Martin in what I thought would be our final conversation. Close friends who just kept supplying us with chocolate cards, cake, (laughs) company, and never stopped believing. Do you faltered or not? Yes, I did falter, but in a way you can falter every day. But then you sometimes catch yourself you know, the post will arrive and there'll be another three or four or five cards or letters coming in saying, you poor thing, but please stand firm for the rest of us or whatever that would be. People ask, are you bitter about this? And I think our honest answer to that is no, we're not. Neither Emma or myself are bitter people. We are not Emma, remember, is Martin's wife. We do not hold any bitterness towards these people. They have behaved reprehensibly. And for that, they have my compassion, some empathy, some understanding. But that isn't to give them any excuse. But we don't spend ages, as it were, practising voodoo in the dark or whatever else one might do. This is of no interest When you look back on it all, do you think you maybe overestimated what they wanted from a dean of Christchurch? Maybe they just wanted a quiet, polite priest to be a figurehead. This is the difficulty, I think, that all heads of house have in Oxford and Cambridge. You have full responsibility, but very little power. And ultimately, of course, that created this four, nearly five-year ordeal. You weren't being stubborn for stubbornness's sake, were you? No, I'm not really a very stubborn person. I'm actually somebody who's quite happy to have my mind changed in good, honest, robust intellectual discussions and proper negotiation and mediation. It seems to me that is the gold standard for Oxford colleges. They say the child is father to the man. I wonder, were you bullied at school? I was, uh, as a very young child. I'm not big in physique and frame. I was bullied, really. But my attitude to the bullying was always that if you call the bullying out, something will be done. 
And my experience of that at school was that that happened. So you learnt that lesson early and applied it at Christchurch? Yes, because you expect, in a sense, reasonable people with a concern for truth and justice to not actually put up with bullying and manipulation. Finding out about the bullying Martin had experienced as a child made me wonder whether that was one of the reasons he'd dug his heels in at Christchurch. Either way, this saga has taken a serious toll on Martin's mental health after he was accused of sexual harassment. I really had a pretty serious breakdown with this. As the pressure built up, Martin says he had a sense of being abandoned, and not just by the college. I felt there was no justice at all in the church. So you pretty despairing then? I was despairing, yeah. How low did you get? Did you get suicidal? Um, I think I came close. I don't think I ever really got there. In fact, the stress was felt throughout the college during this dispute. One of Martin's supporters on the governing body told me that he and another member had had to resort to psychological and medical help. I put this to the college. Their reply is voiced by a producer. A number of members of the Christchurch community have suffered stress and anxiety as a result of victimisation and bullying by Dr Percy and his supporters. And, in some cases, Christchurch has provided expert support. I do a lot of interviews in my job and I'm always trying to get under the skin of people in the public eye. So over the months, I found Martin to be likeable and decent, if clearly consumed by what has happened to him. But off the record, I've been told not to believe a word he says. Someone said he's the worst person in the world. Another described him as a monster. I hadn't seen any hints of this myself. But that's maybe not that surprising. After all, I've been sitting with him, listening to his story, his truth. But as I continue to report this series, my views of Martin have become less clear-cut. Some of this has to do with what happened after the allegation of hair-stroking in Christchurch Cathedral, something Martin, of course, has always denied. Following that accusation, he has attracted another, different group of supporters. The people in this loose network describe themselves as survivors of sexual abuse within the Church of England or clergy who have been victims of false accusations. And they are scathing about what they see as failures within the Church's safeguarding systems. Some of this group stepped in to support Martin publicly as a victim of a false accusation himself. And maybe that is where things changed for me. Back in episode three, I told you Christchurch had brought in an independent investigator to look into the allegation that Martin had sexually harassed a woman by stroking her hair in the cathedral in 2020. The investigator was a retired detective inspector called Kate Wood. Well, have a listen to this. 
I have never experienced a case like the Christchurch investigation, where there has been such ongoing hostility and intimidation shown towards the victim and the investigator by those defending the subject of the allegations. In this case, Percy. Kate's words are being voiced by a producer. She didn't want to be interviewed, but she sent me some thoughts in writing. And this is the first time she's ever spoken publicly on this matter. Over several months, the public interventions in Percy's defence by his supporters, in national newspapers, magazines and numerous blogs seemed relentless. Repeated attempts were made to discredit the victim's account, to minimise what she was saying had happened to her and to undermine her motivation in reporting the matter. The woman Kate Wood is referring to is Alana Jern. I'm walking up to Christchurch on St Aldate's. That's the busy road in Oxford that the college faces out on. I arrive at the great main gate and I'm nodded through politely by the porters in their bowler hats. They don't ask any questions. That's because the person who I've come to meet is standing there, waiting for me. I walk through Tom Gate and into the college grounds, and soon I find myself sitting in a spacious room. Uh, sure, I had two slices of toast. Is that loud enough? Could you introduce yourself? Who are you? My name's Alana Jean. I'm a New Zealander. And I've been living and working in Oxford for the past five years. Why have you decided to talk to me now? Yes, I originally declined speaking on the podcast. And I changed my mind after listening to the episodes that have been broadcast so far and felt it was important. Perhaps to be able to say a little bit about how I've felt through this. I don't think that's been spoken about or said because. I haven't told anyone really what the personal impact of all of this has been on me. Alana sits opposite me. She seems shy and nervous. But beneath all that, I detect a confidence about her. Her fair hair is neatly held back in an Alice band. I ask her what has happened since she and Martin settled with the college of this year and since Martin left Christchurch in the springtime. It's been a strange time. I really did hope that this would mean that we could all draw a line under the past couple of years and move on. And unfortunately, if anything, the victimisation and harassment of me has increased. The harassment has been online, so I feel like I can't get away from it. The narrative around me has changed quite a lot over two years. Originally, a lot of what was being said was that my allegation had been talked up, um, that other people had taken it out of my hands, and I've said before how insulting that is, and it is simply untrue. Later, this changed to say that what happened to me wasn't a big deal. I find that very hurtful. And then more recently, post-settlement, vicious personal attacks on my integrity and honesty. And who is putting this stuff up? I assume it's going up on the net, as I would call it. Yeah, I mean, it's a variety of people, um, mostly, disappointingly, priests and people affiliated to the church. 
wild accusations that have absolutely no evidence, defamatory remarks, and these specific things about me. How have you coped, Alana, then, with this? I've been very lucky while I've been in Oxford to be supported by friends. Um, I have coped with this by knowing that what I have said, what I have done, is absolutely the truth, and I've done the right thing. We tell women that if we speak up about things that happen to us in the workplace, in life, that it's the right thing to do and that we will be helped and protected. The sad reality is it's not easy. It's really awful to make a report like this. The fallout from it is immense. Could you try and sum up in a few words how this alleged harassment of you online has actually been for you, how it's made you feel? It's been very isolating. I think the thing we all know about cyberbullying is that it's constant. You can't get away from it. It's always there. And that's definitely how I felt, um, that there are attacks and comments coming from all sides at any time, day or night. I never know when it's going to happen. So feeling constantly on edge, waiting for the next thing to be said, the next lie to be told. Can you see it ever ending now? No, I'm actually not sure what an ending to this would look like. This is going to sound so naive, but is there any way you could meet this man and try and sort it out, end it? I would listen to Martin. I would. I would be open to understanding why and to having a conversation if it would lead to the end of this, but I, I don't know whether that's possible. I'm not suggesting Martin is directly responsible for the online abuse by some of his supporters, but it's certainly happening as a consequence of that disputed incident in the sacristy. Our interview came to an end, and I said my goodbyes. As I walked back outside, once again, I felt I met someone whose life had seemingly been turned upside down. Now, these websites that Alana's referred to, as I mentioned earlier, they defend members of the clergy who say they have been falsely accused of abuse and that they are victims. Some take a passionately pro-Martin stance, attempting to pull apart Alana's testimony or the subsequent investigations into him. They tend to be anonymous. Now, I'm not going to go into the details of what's online, but it does raise important questions. How involved is Martin? And how responsible is he for what's being done and said in his support? One website is called Atonement. It's anonymous. I found an article on this website which included allegations against investigator Kate Wood and about one of Alana's supporters at Christchurch. And in another article on the same site, there were a number of statements which sought to undermine Alana's credibility. More worryingly, was what I found tucked away in the metadata 
on both those articles. And that was that the author was named as Martin Percy. No dog. Martin was back at my house without his usual companion, Lyra the dog, whom he had dropped off before he came round so as not to upset our family cat. Lyra, I fear, has some form on this. Can I have a coffee? Oh, absolutely. I'm not any today. Oh, wow. I was wondering what was wrong about 8.30 when I was tidying this room. I thought, I haven't any coffee. I made a pot of coffee and then we sat down with my producer, Will. Yeah. So Martin, just before we begin to record, you confirm that you're happy to be recorded. Your voice will be used for audio purposes for a podcast with The Times. I'm happy with that. Thank you very much. Thank you. What do you know about a website called Atonement? Not very much, other than there are a number of survivors of sexual abuse websites. So there's quite a lot of on Atonement about you and Alana. There is. Have you informed them? Have you talked to these people? I informed them. It's very detailed about Alana. Mm. I informed them. So I'm just trying to think if I haven't informed them. I'm aware of the of the website content, aware that that is quite specific to some of the allegations made against me and in turn some of the defences that have been made in my name by other people. Do you know who is behind Atonement? No, I don't, I'm afraid. I could make some guesses, but I wouldn't do it on the record. (laughs) You see, we have done some digital analysis and it suggests that you're the editor of a number of the articles on it. I would have certainly had a hand in writing these things, but I, I, I would have... Those articles are... Basically, in, in, in my defence, whatever I've done to defend myself, you'll find digital traces. Uh, we've certainly had instances before where people have said, aha, he wrote this, and actually uh, I didn't. It may have begun on my computer or ended on my computer or been somewhere in the middle. I'm frankly concerned that you may have been involved in pursuing her behind a sort of cloak of anonymity. Right. Oh, right. Yeah, OK. I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. Uh, I don't pursue her. I can't honestly say hand on heart, Andrew, that I can control people who are, are really angry with what's been done uh, either by her or using her. They're livid. And I'm I'm sorry about that. I think they're really angry with her, actually. Um, they may go too far. They may go too far in in robustly debating with her on Twitter and also saying other things. They may well do that. But the idea, in a sense, that I'm a kind of, uh, this is a sort of sock puppet arrangement, <laughs> I'm afraid is, is not the case. I wonder now if the, the best thing would be for you now to not apologise because you don't accept that you've done anything wrong, certainly not in the sacristy, but it might just be now time to say to Alana, truce, let's not talk about each other ever again. Is that what she would want? It might be what's good for you. Oh, yeah, I think it would be good for me. I strongly suspect if I even tried to reach out and communicate, I'd have difficulties. Maybe the big thing 
to do or the big thing you could have done would say, stop all this. Mm. Let's not pursue this anymore. I'm just wondering if we accept that you've been bullied, if you've not found yourself playing the bully a bit. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. You come back to being a small child here. What do you do when you're bullied? Do you, do you ever, ever punch back? I think sometimes you do. And I think what, what has been distressing in all of this is that if you don't watch yourself, you actually become like they are. I don't actually think there's been any real danger of that at all. Do you think you pursued her after you left Christchurch? Did you bully her? Uh, no, because I've got I've had absolutely no direct contact with her at all. But through, Not, web, through websites, through allies? I think she's, she's clearly upset by the... Can I just think about how yeah, I sure. respond to this? Yeah, because it's... At this point, Martin wanted to gather his thoughts. A few minutes later, Will stepped in. Just going back to the atonement website, though. Yeah. Whoever's behind this website, you know, it's potentially libelous stuff about Alana. Mm. I mean, it's several months since I've looked at it, but okay. You're saying you didn't write that article then? It wasn't you? Um, I think there are a number of articles of which I have certainly contributed, but they're never all mine. You know, they get worked on by other people and other people take them. I put it to him one final time. Through these online articles, had he become the bully? I certainly do not, for the avoidance of doubt here, I do not support the bullying of Alana. I do not, under any circumstances, support the bullying of any victim of abuse. And I regard... Uh, any harassment or bullying of that kind to be uh, reprehensible. And although your name appears digitally on this site... I do not write for it. And I think other things I have written and may have written can easily be used because, of course, uh, they can be taken from other websites and other fora. I may not have been able to establish who was behind the Atonement website... But 13 days after this interview, all the articles were deleted. I asked Martin if he was behind the articles coming down, and he reiterated that he couldn't speak for that website. It's frustrating. Frustrating not to know how all this fits together. But this world of conflict around clergy and accusations of abuse, this world that Alana and Martin are caught up in, seems an even deeper, darker rabbit hole, and I'm not going to go down it. Christchurch have told me... Members of the governing body and the Christchurch community continue to experience personal attacks, intimidation and harassment by supporters of Dr Percy. Anonymous threatening letters and emails have been sent to trustees at various points. They added that a quote-unquote particularly offensive and intimidating letter was sent to numerous trustees, that's members of the governing body, in April this year and was reported to the police as a malicious communication. Thames Valley Police say an investigation is ongoing. Is Martin a monster or a victim? The answer is complicated and I'd prefer to use neither word. Feuds can bring out the worst in even the best people. They brutalise. They send everyone involved slightly crazy. Crazy.
I'm Aarti Nachipan. I'm the economics correspondent at The Times. We're going through a cost of living crisis and understanding economics is core to understanding what is going on and why. And I love my job because I get to make that accessible to people and bridge that gap. I can only do this thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. Subscribe today by visiting thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This four-year feud has torn people apart. It's also racked up an astronomical bill. Christchurch, like most British universities, has charitable status. Its primary purpose is to promote education and research for public benefit. But they have spent an estimated £7.8 million in legal and PR fees and on Martin's payoff. The things that really matter, and this isn't just Christchurch, this is any Oxford, Cambridge College, or indeed any university, what matters is the education. Peter MacDonald sits on the governing body. He told me he was pretty much a lone voice among them. And he felt that they'd all lost sight of, well, as he just said, what really matters. I wonder if we took all that money How many graduate scholarships can you get out of that money? How many undergraduate scholarships? Maybe we need to keep that as our our unit of currency here. And it has brought home to the world, I suspect, or to the public, the fact that this is a very rich institution. This is a lot of money to burn. Is it really worth all that money? Here's what Christchurch says. There was no single dispute with Dr Percy. There were a number of matters. Dr Percy's approach to the disputes made them far more costly than necessary. Christchurch had been trying to settle for over three years. But it is impossible to settle with someone who will not settle with you. But there are now really serious questions about whether the college mismanaged the funds, charitable funds, spent on the feud. Were some trustees 
in the dark about the increasing costs? Was the full extent of the expenditure kept from the wider world, particularly donors, perhaps? I've been given a confidential draft document that shows the Charity Commission is considering issuing an official warning to Christchurch for, quote, mismanagement and or misconduct. It believes the governing body has not managed resources responsibly or ensured their organisation was accountable. That is not a great place for my old college to be in right now. In this leaked document, it states that spending decisions were being taken by a small group of censors and the full governing body wasn't properly monitoring what was going on. It goes on to say that £5 million of the money spent was approved retrospectively when it was too late to do anything about it. The Commission also says the college's accounts were misleading because legal and PR fees used on the feud were categorised as, quote, other direct costs, teaching, research and residential. Christchurch told me their funds had not been mismanaged. The full governing body approves the annual budget, including estimates of legal and other expenses. Significant variances to estimates were monitored through the normal processes and at the full governing body. They explain that when a decision can't be made by the entire governing body, there's a proper process to delegate it to specific people or committees. They also said... At no point did Christchurch mislead any party. The auditors confirmed that it was for Christchurch to decide how it reported on its legal expenditure. I asked to talk to the Charity Commission for this episode. They said they don't comment on leaked documents but did say updates will be published as matters progress. And there's another thing. Christchurch themselves have commissioned an independent review of the way the college is run. But there's no news on when this will be finished, and Christchurch hasn't committed to implementing its findings, which I find hugely disappointing. Sometimes I think real, lasting change would take a miracle, a miracle worthy of Oxford's St. Frideswide herself. In the making of this series, I've spoken to clergy, dons, a head of house and students. What are their final thoughts? I think one lesson should just hopefully be humility. Everybody could just maybe realize that pride pride comes before a fall. He has certainly learned a lot about how viciously people can argue in this in this kind of professional world. I still don't understand, maybe, maybe nobody really does, about where power really lay within that particular Oxford College. When it all works harmoniously, then that's fine. But structurally, they're in a perilous place, I suspect. Should we all go and, and have a good long lie down? I, I can no longer again read Alice in Wonderland or Through the Looking Glass. It's too realistic. I can't do it. I asked Christchurch if they'd learnt any lessons. They didn't answer this specific question, but they did say... Christchurch's trustees, in spite of difficult circumstances, have at all times acted honestly 
and in good faith. It's a perfect autumn day now, but there's a chill in the air. And they're students, as they always are, in duffel coats now, but holding hands, about to embark on their, their lives outside this place. And I hope they've had a good time. But I know in the last three or four years, Christchurch has been a pretty hellish place for many people. Christchurch, I think, needs to change its frame of mind. It needs to be less defensive, more generous. We all make mistakes. I've made countless mistakes in my life. If I've learned anything, it's that the only way forward is to face those mistakes, say sorry, and then move on. What is for certain is that it's unacceptable. People anywhere can behave so badly to one another with such bitterness. And so as the sun sets over Christchurch Meadow, I think I'll end with the thoughts of another Oxford man, the poet Philip Larkin, who ended a poem with this. We should be careful of each other. We should be kind. While there is still time... been listening to part five of The Feud. It's the final episode of this series, which is reported and presented by me, Andrew Billen. It's brought to you thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. The series is produced by Will Rowe and Brenna Dowdorf. Production assistance and fact-checking is by Constance Kampfner. The executive producer is Lynn Jones. And the original music and sound design is by Tom Birchall.